Hello and welcome to another episode of the Museum Bible Tours podcast. I am your host, Timothy Martin. The title of this episode is Understanding Ancient Hazor Through Biblical Archaeology and is the third in the series Unveiling the Bible's Significant Cities. Moreover, Joshua then returned and captured Hazor and struck down its king with the sword, because Hazor had formerly been the head of all these kingdoms. They struck down everyone in it with the sword, devoting them to destruction. Not a breathing thing was left. Then he burned Hazor in the fire. Joshua chapter 11, verses 10 and 11. This is the account of those whom King Solomon conscripted for forced labor to build the house of Jehovah, his own house, the mound, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 15, New World Translation. The following are excerpts from the magazine, Let the Stones Speak. Quote, Hazor was one of the most significant sites in the Bible lands. Its power was widely felt before the arrival of the Israelites, and it would have been one of the main linchpin cities for them to conquer. For according to Joshua chapter 11, verse 10, because Hazor had formerly been the head of all these kingdoms, as we read at the beginning of the podcast. Hazor would also later become a powerful Solomonic fortress. Yet for all the important finds made at this historical site, a debate rages as to how they match up with the biblical record, especially of Joshua and his conquests. We examine this dispute, as well as the wider history of this once formidable city fortress the largest site in all biblical Israel. The magazine continues, Like cities throughout the rest of Canaan before the Israelite arrival, Hazor was subservient to the Egyptian empire, though preserving a degree of autonomy. This was a chief city of Canaan and was the biggest in the region for its time period, with a population of around 20,000. It is no wonder that it was called the head of all those Canaanite kingdoms. Canaanite Hazor, as it functioned within the several hundred years before the Israelites arrived, was found to contain many cultic objects, a large altar, rock-cut tombs, and infant jar burials. The plethora of finds from this period include Egyptian items, attesting to the strong Egyptian influence of the site. Additionally, the strong presence of the pre-Israelite site is witnessed by a number of ancient and scriptural references to it by neighboring kingdoms. The magazine continues, when we look for evidence pointing to the arrival of Joshua and the Israelites, or perhaps the intervening years during the Judges period, we run into the major Hazor dispute. What immediately takes center stage is a noticeable thick layer of burning and destruction discovered throughout the city and is dated to around 1233 BCE. This is where the debate begins 
regarding the historical accuracy of biblical Hazar and Joshua's conquests. Those who take the full biblical record literally know that the Israelites would have entered the Promised Land in the 13th century BCE, based on verses such as 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, and Judges chapter 11, verse 26. Thus, many of the original Israelite conquests would have had to be dated to the turn of that century. The conquest of Hazor by Joshua is well documented in the Bible. The city was utterly wasted and destroyed by fire. Yet the destruction revealed archaeologically at Hazor dated to nearly 200 years later than the Bible's account. Thus, some hold up Hazor as one of the strongest evidences that the Israelites must have entered the Promised Land at a later date, pushing the Exodus around 150 years or more later. Those taking a late Exodus position thus dismiss biblical passages such as 1 Kings 6 and Judges 11 as being inaccurate, with the Judges period being highly compressed into a short period. But what really happened? Let's do some detective work. The question begs asking, does the biblical record say that Hazor faced any further conquest after Joshua's time? Perhaps in a period fitting the scientific dating of Hazor's thick destruction layer? The Bible indicates that it did. The magazine continues, during the period of the judges, Deborah was a prophetess when Israel was subjected to the reign of King Jabin of Canaan as punishment for rebellion. Where in Israel did Jabin decide to settle? Wisely, it was the very same location that had been for Canaan, the head of all those kingdoms. So Jehovah sold them into the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The chief of his army was Sesera, who lived in Horosheth of the nations. Judges chapter 4, verse 2, according to the New World Translation. God delivered the eventually repentant Israelites from this oppression after a major battle at Mount Tabor between Jabin's captain, Sesera, and the Israelite commander, Barak. The Canaanites were vanquished, and Sesera was killed by an Israelite woman, Jael, to whom he had fled for safety. But what about Hazor? The Bible is silent in direct reference to the city itself. King Jabin's forces had been overcome at Mount Tabor, but we have a clue about what must have happened at Hazor at the end of Judges chapter 4. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan, before the Israelites. The hand of the Israelites came down harder and harder against Jabin, the king of Canaan, until they destroyed Jabin, the king of Canaan. Verses 23 and 24, New World Translation. The magazine continues, Jabin, king of Canaan, who was based at Hazor, was destroyed. This was plainly in a later 
non-described battle than the initial one against Sisera. These verses made this plain. And after the initial battle, verse 23, the Israelites grew stronger and stronger until they finally had overthrown Jabin. And where would they have overthrown him? Of course, where Jabin was based, Hazor. Jabin had established a strong Canaanite presence there for 20 years. Verse 3 of Joshua chapter 4. In order to utterly defeat Jabin himself, as verse 24 describes, an assault on Hazor must have been necessary. This only makes sense. And the utter destruction described in verse 24 matches the nature of the destruction found at Hazor. Thus, we have a link between the destruction layer discovered at Hazor and the time period of Judges 4. But it is not as simple as that. The name of the Canaanite king during the time of Deborah was Jabin. But interestingly, the name of the king of Hazor when Joshua conquered it was also Jabin. Joshua chapter 11 verse 1. Thus, some hold out that these kings must have been the same person that the Bible account is confused and that Joshua 11 and Judges 4 are two descriptions of the same historical event, one that took place after a late exodus and late conquest of the Promised Land. Could this be true? Is the biblical account somewhat corrupted relating to the historical fate of Hazor under Joshua and under Deborah? Archaeologist Douglas Petrovich has written a thorough response to this question and the broader subject of Hazor's early destruction. In it, he writes, the tension with regard to the Jabin question dissipates, however, once the reader understands that the term Jabin is not the name of the king, but rather a royal dynastic title. The use of this ancient name dates back to the Mari archives of the 18th century BCE, where Rabnai Adad is mentioned as the king of Hazor. Rabnai being a form of the biblical word Yabin, which is then anglicized to Jabin. The proposal of a dynastic use of Jabin for the king of Hazor in both Joshua and Judges thus has sufficient merit. End of that quote. So, we see a Jabin as king over Hazor, based on the Mari archives, a Jabin as king over Hazor, based on Joshua chapter 11, and a Jabin as king over Hazor, based on Judges 4. Thus, the name Jabin fits well as a common title similar to that of Pharaoh. The magazine continues. Finally then, if Hazor's thick destruction burn layer is attributed to the time of Deborah, and if a number of dynastic Jabin kings ruled over Hazor, what of Joshua's destruction? Again, the Bible is very clear about the destruction of Hazor under Joshua. Moreover, Joshua then returned and captured Hazor and struck down its king with the sword, because Hazor had formerly been the head of all these kingdoms. They struck down everyone in it with the sword, devoting them to destruction. Not a breathing thing was left. Then he burned Hazor in the fire. Joshua chapter 11, verses 10 and 11, as we read at the beginning of the podcast. Based on this passage, 
Are we therefore to conclude that this simply cannot have happened and that the Bible was an error? Archaeological finds at Hazor have more to say. The magazine continues, Excavations have uncovered remnants of an earlier destruction layer at Hazor. A destroyed temple, a high place, was found dating to an earlier time. Furthermore, a large pit was found dug through an ancient Hazor pavement, the sides of which cut through a visible early destruction layer containing ash and fallen bricks, also evidencing this earlier violent demolition. Petrovich continues in his article, quoting, The Hazor of Joshua's day clearly was destroyed by a massive conflagration as well. Various sections of the burn line and residual burned areas, which measure half of a meter in some places, have been preserved. This burn line, visible throughout the excavated area, reveals the unmistakable signs of a great conflagration. Admittedly, the scope of this conflagration has yet to be determined fully due to the relatively few spots on the site that were excavated down to the level of late bronze number one. Magazine continues, So we see that a violent attack also occurred earlier, fitting squarely into Joshua's time period. This destruction is perhaps unfairly overlooked thanks to the significant later destruction layer that has been more widely revealed, yet its existence cannot be denied. It is regarded scientifically as simply unclear who was responsible for this earlier attack on Hazor. Yet the archeological record does square up with what the Bible says. Describing the specifics of this earlier destruction, archaeologist Bryant Wood writes in his article, Let the Evidence Speak, quote, Significantly, cultic centers seem to have been singled out for especially harsh treatment by the conquerors. Such especially harsh treatment of Hazor's pagan cultic areas would constitute very typical evidence of an Israelite attack. The magazine continues, After the Canaanite rule at Hazor was again subdued, Israelites settled the city. Once King Solomon came on the scene, Hazor experienced massive rebuilding. This is the account of those who King Solomon conscripted for forced labor to build the house of Jehovah, his own house, the mound, the wall of Jerusalem, Hazor, Megiddo, and Gezer. 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 15, New World Translation, which we read at the beginning of the podcast. The magazine continues, as should be expected, related architectural features dating to Solomon's time have been found in all three of these cities. These are the six-chambered gates. These gate patterns show proof of a strong United Kingdom of Israel during the Solomonic period, exerting a regulation of building standards over a wide area of land. This goes against a popular school of modern thought that considers Israel to have been a fragmented, uncontrolled spread of nomads during the time of David and Solomon. 
and that David and Solomon themselves, if they existed at all, were merely small-time tribal chieftains. Hazor would be hammered repeatedly throughout the ensuing years. Asa, king of Judah, stripped the temple of its treasures to pay the Syrian king Ben-Hadad to attack the belligerent northern kingdom of Israel. Ben-Hadad obliged, and Hazor was one of the cities that faced destruction from his armies. 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 20. All the land of Naphtali includes Hazor. See Joshua chapter 19, verses 32 and 36. Hazor also weathered attacks by Assyrian king Samoneser III and then Syrian king Haziel. 2 Kings chapter 11, verses 32-33. Hazor eventually fell to the Assyrians during the campaigns of King Tigoth-Pileser III, about 200 years after King Solomon's time. In the days of King Pekah of Israel, King Tigoth-Pileser of Assyria invaded and captured Ijon, Abel-Beth-Meachah, Jonah, Kadesh, Hazor, Gilead, and Galilee, all the land of Naphtali, and he took the inhabitants into exile in Assyria. 2 Kings chapter 15, verse 29. The archaeological finds from Hazor corresponded with this destruction, and after this point in the city's history, it would never rise again to its prior mighty status. We agree with all the comments made by the magazine, Let the Stones Speak. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please share this episode with your friends. We invite you to visit our website, museumbibletours.com, to sign up for our newsletter, to follow us on social networks such as Instagram, or even leave a review. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to help it grow, head to our donate page, museumbibletours.com forward slash podcast. Therein, you will see how to donate. This podcast was produced by Museum Bible Tours. Thank you for your support.